The Ending Stretch is proudly presented by Printer Dudes. Printer Dudes is your one-stop shop for unique 3D-printed gifts and collectibles. From ducks to dinosaurs and everything in between, Printer Dudes has it all. Head on over to printerdudes.etsy.com and use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, to save 10% off your first order. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S, the best 3D-printed collectibles this side of home plate. Welcome to the 8th Inning Stretch, your source for no-nonsense, unfiltered baseball talk. And now, let's play ball! Hey everybody, welcome into the 8th Inning Stretch with AJ and Carson. Carson, how are you doing today, man? What's up, AJ? What's up, everybody? Uh, you know, it's been quite the week for me personally but uh you know with all this twins news that has been happening too over the past 48 hours i feel like i'm on a roller coaster but uh nonetheless aside from my homerism uh, we got a lot to talk about today so i'm excited uh yeah the twins have been in the news uh a bit haven't they um yeah it's been a it's been a bit of a yeah it's been a it's been a bit of an odd week it's been a long week for me uh work wise so i'm grateful to just be able to chill and kick back and talk some baseball um but yeah we got a lot to get through we're gonna dive in in a second before we get started i just want to uh shout out to a bit of an unrelated note here shout out to Derek white of the boston celtics and his wife uh sounds like they added a new baby a new member of the family today um He's obviously not playing in the game in Miami tonight. Uh, and to all of you out there, especially on Twitter, uh, complaining about him missing a basketball game to go be with his family, screw you guys. Um, some things are bigger than sports, and that's one of them. Um, so that's kind of my... Uh, <laughs> That's that's how I feel about that. Uh, anyways, uh, let's jump right in. Lots to get to as as per usual. Uh, the Cubs, Christopher Morell, uh, Carson made himself a little bit of history. He's a rookie. Um, can't do much better than this in your major league debut. His first major league at bat, uh, and he hit a home run. Um, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, it's uh pretty crazy. The uh, you know first Cub Cubs rookie to homer in his first at bat since uh of uh you know just a guy named Wilson Contreras back in uh, 2016, and uh, it's pretty cool to have a couple of rookies get a home run in their first at bat. Of course, I think we talked about it a few episodes back, uh, but in Arizona, Seth Beer uh, hit his first hit his uh, first home run in his first. Uh, major league baseball at bat um so yeah it's a, it's a pretty cool thing to see some of these uh you know some of these uh moments for these rookies and something that i'm sure that they'll remember for the rest of their lives 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty elite company to be in. Uh, to be in the same sentence as Wilson Contreras, because um, I'm pretty sure things have worked out pretty well for him. Um, so yeah, Morel, uh, he's a utility player. You know, one of uh, one of my favorite kinds of players. These plug and play. You know, you can put these guys anywhere. You know, on the on the field. Um, a la Kike Hernandez, those kind of guys. Those are my favorite kinds of players. Uh, pinch hit, and they came up to pinch hit in the eighth inning against the Padres. And Carson got the Cubs a win over the Padres. A uh, little bit of an upset, I would say. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the Padres, uh, you know, the Padres are uh, obviously, we know the Padres are quite stacked in multiple facets. And the uh, are very much in the heat of things and what has been a very fun uh, NL West. But uh, I, I believe we're going to dive into the Padres a little bit deeper. So uh, I'll save my thoughts for that. Mm, yes, indeed we are. Um, yeah, just like, I mean, even just a quick glance at the standings, the Cubs, you know, uh, the Cubs are struggling a little bit. I don't think, um, I don't think anyone really expected, you know, too, too much out of the Cubs. So they're probably about, you know, they're 15 and 21 at the moment. They're probably right about where, where most people thought they would be. Um, yeah. And like you said, the Padres, meanwhile, are only a game and a half behind the Dodgers in a just absolutely insane NL West race. Um, so yeah, I mean, major props to Christopher Morrell and, uh, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe the Cubs fans will uh, will see more of him because, um, again, you really just you really just can't under you can't underestimate or undervalue the, the value and what these utility players bring to your team. Um, and, and this kind of player is becoming more and more common because they're just uh, they're just so versatile. They can just they can play anywhere. So, um Yes, and uh, moving from the Cubs to the aforementioned Padres. Uh, good news, Padres fans. Blake Snell is set to return to the Padres rotation this week. Um, if I'm not mistaken, let me just check real quick. I believe... Oh, yeah, he has already made his return. Um Oh, he actually returned uh, today, uh, yesterday. Okay. Uh, well, Wednesday. Um, so it's Thursday for us. So it was yesterday for us. Um, but uh, oh, it doesn't look like he did too well. Um, but that aside, uh, Carson, this Padres rotation is is ridiculous. You've got you Darvish, Sean Manaya. Mike Clevenger, Joe Musgrove, and now Blake Snell. Um, talk about an embarrassment of riches. It's just not fair. How can one team have such a filthy rotation? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Blake Snell's first start back, you know, 736 ERA only went three and two thirds. But, you know, he's just getting back into the swing of things. I'm sure mm-hmm. he- be just fine. It's one start, so don't freak out Padres fans and say that we're saying, oh, Blake's, they're already saying just Blake still stinks. Like, no, we know that he does not stink. Like, this is the guy who's won the Cy Young, 
before. Can't yep. overlook that. But yeah, it's just it's not fair to have this many good pitchers. I mean, the the Padres already have the sixth best ERA in the NL at a three point six five, and now you add Snell back into the mix once he starts to get going again with these guys. It's just this entire pitching staff is just you know starters and bullpen is just so filthy and it's nice to see taylor rogers do well (laughs) uh ladies and gentlemen carson is definitely not bitter about sean maniac going to the padres over his twins absolutely not um (laughs) no not even a little bit um I mean, you said it, sixth best team ERA in the NL, 3.65, nothing to sneeze at. And, of course, I mean, obviously, you've got to give some props to the bullpen because, you know, the starters aren't doing it there, uh, themselves. I mean, if you – if I had to point to one – if I were forced to point to one reason why the Padres have been so good this year – um, I mean, I would point to their pitching because, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget, uh, the Padres are still without Fernando Tatis Jr., Carson. Yeah, it's easy to kind of forget as as they've had this success, but they, they don't have one of the best players in baseball still. And obviously, you know, he'll be, he'll, I believe, be rehabbing still for a, for a little bit longer, but, um, yeah, imagine just what's going to happen when he comes back and he gets into full swing too. Man, that Padres team looks like it could very much be unstoppable. Uh, yeah, so a quick a quick search of the Google. Um, uh, it looks like, so if in case you guys missed it uh, or, you know, don't, you know, maybe don't follow the Padres or don't follow, you know, teams other than your own as much as uh, Carson and I do. Um Tatis Jr. Uh, fractured his left wrist, had surgery on March, March 16th, uh, and is targeted for a return in mid or late June. So, you know, coming up a, a, a bit soonish here. Um, listen, the Padres are obviously, they're 24 and 14. They're game and a half behind the Dodgers, uh, who, by the way, the Dodgers are. Uh, the Clayton Kershaw less Dodgers right now. Let's not forget that. Um, yeah, and they're doing all this without Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, when when once once he's back in the lineup, um, man, I would Carson. I would not want to be any of those teams in the NL West once Tatis Jr. comes back to this Padres team. Uh, no, I would not either, but uh, let me just say this. The, the first time that the Dodgers play the Padres after he comes back, uh, uh-huh. find me up for that game. And Oh, uh, hell yeah. I, I don't, like, I don't care. I will find a way to get to San Diego or L.A. <laughs> I don't care right. which one it is. I will pack all the snacks. I will camp out outside the stadium. <laughs> I will, I want to be at that game so badly. Uh, yeah, that makes two of us. Um, so yeah. And again, just to go back to Blake Snell for a quick second. Yeah. We're, we all know who Blake Snell is. Blake Snell is Blake Snell. 
he'll be just fine. He'll get back into that Cy Young form and and help this just ridiculous Padres rotation keep doing what, and and pitching staff keep doing what they're doing. But Blake Snell's return also begs a question, Carson. Uh, with six starters in the rotation now, uh, might the Padres be putting one of these guys on the trading block? You know, this is a question I've kind of weighed back and forth in my own head, but I think to this point, I've come to the conclusion of I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Because even with Snell back, you know, we list off those names. That's a, that's, that is a five pitcher rotation and probably one of the best in baseball at bat. And if you want to make a deep run into the postseason, what is the one thing that you should probably have? Pitching. You're starting pitching guys who Mm -hmm. will be able to go for those longer innings. And we've seen that from just about every single one of these starting pitchers that the Padres have. We've seen it Mm -hmm. from Snell. Although Kevin Cash made sure to uh, give himself clown of the year on that one. Um, <laughs> we've seen it from Darvish. We've seen it in limited capacity from Manaya. We've seen it from Clevenger when he was in Cleveland. Musgrove might be the only question mark of those five, but he's still a very solid pitcher who can probably give you a good at least five innings. Mm-hmm. So having that much depth and that m- that many pitchers in your starting rotation that are able to go deep into games is going to be huge come the postseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if they hung on to these guys. And honestly, that's the way I would lean if I were the Padres. Yeah, I don't think. And and because you're obviously, I mean, you're not going to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. You make trades to make your team better, uh, especially if you're in the, well, if you're in the Padres position, um, you know, because come, Come trade time and come trade deadline time, there's going to be buyers and sellers. And honestly, I I think the I don't think the Padres will be well. They're obviously not going to be sellers unless things just go absolutely fucking sideways in San Diego, which I don't see that happening. Um, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they'll be either. Uh, I don't think they'll be active in the trade market at all. Why? I mean. What's that old adage? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the Padres aren't broke, so they don't need fixing. Um, and like Carson said, uh, depth in there are two. There's two key factors come playoff time, come October: pitching and defense. Uh, I mean, obviously, offense is important too. But in the playoffs, pitching and defense win. Nine times out of ten. We've seen it over and over and over again with basically every World Series champion for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Pitching and defense are everything, but especially depth in your pitching staff. Because no matter how well you set up your rotation for the playoffs, Carson, I mean, we've seen it a million times. You might need a Blake Snell or a Darvish or a Manaya or a Clevenger or even Musgrove to come out of the pen in, you know, the eighth or ninth inning of a of an important game, of a clinching game. Exactly. And I mean, we've seen that in the postseason time after time. And there are even some times where um, you know, we've we've referenced it a few times in this show and for the Dodgers in the World Series, you know, they brought 
they brought out, uh, I believe, Kershaw at one point to kind of close out a game instead mm-hmm. of instead yep. of bringing out a reliever. So, you know, having that kind of depth in your starting pitching rotation is vital to postseason success, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we've seen that. We've seen a bunch of teams do that. I mean, not so, you know, whatever, but I mean, the Red Sox did it in 2018 in, in the fifth in game five of the World Series against the Dodgers. Um, who came out in the ninth inning of game five to finish it off? It wasn't Craig Kimbrell. It was Chris Sale because Alex Cora knew, like, I mean, Chris Sale was fucking lights out. So fast forward to October, you know, it's the NLCS or the siding game of the World Series if my uh, National League champion pick holds. Uh, the Padres will be representing the NL in the World Series. And it's the ninth inning, and you need a, and you need three outs. Um, you know, you could very well see one of these guys coming out of the pen to finish it off. So, um, yeah, I don't think – I've seen a lot of, you know, rumors and whatnot. Oh, the Padres have – you know, one too many starting pitchers. They're going to move one of these guys. No, I just, I don't see it happening unless, and, you know, who knows? It's only May. We're still a couple of months away from the trade deadline. Unless between now and then some unforeseen thing, you know, issue pops up for the Padres uh, and they need to go out and, and make an addition. Um, but I just, I just don't see that happening. So, um, anyways, uh, we're going to take our first break when we come back. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, who for my money is the absolute best closer in baseball at the moment. Um, and it might not be who you think it is. Uh, and then, uh, we're talking the triumphant return of Johnny Cueto, um, which that just makes me feel warm and fuzzy all over. Uh, you're listening to the eighth inning stretch with AJ and Carson. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the eighth inning stretch with AJ and Carson. For all the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at eighth inning pod and visit our website at eighth inning slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the 8th and 8th stretch with AJ and Carson. Uh, into our middle segment on this absolutely ridiculously hot day in Colorado, just for the record. Um, and how much do I love you guys? I love you enough to turn my fan off and sit here in the heat uh, so that you don't get the background noise of my fan. Um, it's hot here, but maybe not as hot as Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Carson, Josh Hader, 14 save opportunities so far this year, 14 saves. And here's the real kicker, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Hader has yet to allow a single run in those 14 appearances. Um, how impressive is Josh Hader right now? I have always been a huge fan of Josh Hader. Um, You know, I've always supported the argument he might, and this year I think more than any year, he might be the best closer in baseball. I mean, 
14, 14 for 14 on your save opportunities is impressive in itself. But having not allowed a single run yet, like, we're, we're into May now, people. We're in the middle of May, and this man has not allowed a single run. Just insane. Like, he, he touches the baseball, and the baseball just melts. That's how hot he is. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and I, I, I'm with you. I've always been a huge fan of Josh Hader. Um, I've, you know, had a chance to watch, uh, you know, quite a few of his games. Um, although I'll be honest, I kind of feel like, and maybe this is just me, but I kind of feel like maybe he doesn't get the attention and the press that he should, uh, because he played for the Brewers. I would agree with that. I think it's because he plays for the Brewers and also partly because I feel like whenever he is in the news, it's for if he like blew up or something like that or just had a bad game. Like those are the only times he shows up. It's not necessarily for when he does good things, which is absolutely blasphemous, by the way. Yeah, it's freaking ridiculous. Um, Just because he plays in Milwaukee, you know, he doesn't get... uh he doesn't get the press that he, the positive press that he deserves. I don't think, um, even though he's a better closer than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Boom. Um, sorry. You had to throw that in there. Didn't you? I, you know, I saw, I saw the opportunity and I took it and I'm not sorry. Um, sorry, Milwaukee fans. It's the harsh truth. Um, because I'm pretty sure last time I checked, Jason Tatum is still playing. Giannis Antetokounmpo is not. Um, anyways, I digress. Um, so Josh Hader, absolutely scorching red hot this year. Carson, I just, I can't, I keep looking at this thing and I can't get over the fact that in 14, 14 opportunities, he's, so he's, he's been in 14 games, saved all 14 for the Brewers. I just I can't get over the fact that he hasn't given up any runs. Uh, that's got to be some kind of record. You would at least think so. I mean, it's just I'm speechless. I literally don't know what to say. That does that hasn't happened ever on this show. I literally don't know what to say. This is incredible. Yeah, I was just looking at. Uh. I'm sorry, everybody. Just give me a bear with me a moment. I'm looking to see what, uh, where, where this 14 for 14 thing stocks stacks up against, uh, some of the other. Oh, well then. Um, okay. So the streak for consecutive saves converted. Uh, was 84 by uh, Eric Gagne with the Dodgers. Sorry, couldn't suppress the gag reflex after Eric Gagne's horrendous stint with my Red Sox. Um, which of course he said over multiple seasons, three seasons in fact. So 84. So that's the record with saves converted. But I was trying to find. Okay, here we go consecutive relief appearances without allowing an earned run. So Josh Hader's currently at 14 appearances without allowing an earned run. The current record 
is 43 appearances without allowing a run, and that was set by Zach Britton of the Orioles back in 2016. Um, Carson, if I'm Zach Britton, I'm worried that I'm I'm pretty worried that uh, Josh Hader is going to break that record. Man, I forget you. You often forget how dominant Zach Britton was too for that. He really was, yeah. Because I mean, he was in like God mode for that Orioles team. But yeah, Josh Hader is right on his heels. I mean, this is as impressive of a run as we've seen from a closer probably since Zach Britton. Yeah, and I don't think it's ridiculous to say that uh, Josh Hader will get forty-three appearances this season. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I'm confident in saying that that record is in danger, is in danger. And I would also, I would go a little further out on that limb and say, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. And you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to go even further out on that limb and say that Josh Hader could break Eric Gagne's record of 84 saves converted, uh, in a row. Hot take alert. Um, I'm also, sorry, everybody. I'm, I've fallen down the statistics rabbit hole here. Um, but one thing you got to keep in mind with that saves record too, that's not just him, you know, that's, that relies, that's got to be a team effort. Like they got to, Oh, absolutely. In enough situations to get in to make those kind of saves. Yeah, no, yes, in no way am I discredit discounting or disregarding the rest of the Brewers team. And the, the Brewers are playing fantastic baseball as a team. There's a reason they're in first place, uh, 24 and 14 at the time of recording, four game lead in the NL Central. Um, no way am I discrediting the contributions of the rest of that team. Um, and now I'm looking at the all-time saves leader list, which, I mean, Josh Hader is obviously young, so he's not going to be... Uh, he's obviously not going to be... Well, actually, uh, 110 career saves. Um, pretty impressive stuff. Uh, and, I mean, this guy's got to be, what, about 27, 28, I would guess? You would think I think so, something around there. Twenty-eight, as a matter of fact. Um crazy. You know, not obviously not you know, not a spring chicken by baseball standards, but I think it's fair to say he's got a fair few years to go ahead of him. Yeah, um, I would say that's fair. I mean, obviously it's you know, it's different for the life expectancy for pitchers, uh, you know. Career-wise, isn't what it used to be, but um, boy, this. Uh, sorry to get off on a bit of a tangent, everybody, but I've kind of fallen down the statistics rabbit hole here. Um, I was just I pulled up the all-time, you know, the all-time list of save leaders. Um, of course, the great Mariano Rivera is at the top with six hundred and fifty-two saves, Carson. <sighs> God, that's wild. But man, he had a lot of good Yankees teams behind him too that put him in those opportunities. Yeah, but he really did. Man, man, Mariano Rivera, 
will forever be the greatest closer of all time. Tweet that at me. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> he, he is the greatest closer of all time. Um, I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. And okay, everybody, calm down. I hear you all. I hear you all out there screaming at me going, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Is he really about to dispute the fact that Mariana Rivera is the greatest closer of all time? Yes. Yes, I am. And here's why. If I have one game, if I have to pick a closer, if I have to pick a closer to save one game for me for the World Series, I'm sorry, Yankees fans, and I'm sorry, Mariano. But you choked a few times on the big stage. Uh, not to... Whatever. I'm letting my buy-in show again. He choked against the Red Sox a fair few times in the playoffs, particularly in 2004. Uh, also blew Game 7 of the 2001 World Series against the D-backs. You know, not for whatever. Um, but if I have to pick one closer to close a game for me, um, I'm probably going Trevor Hoffman. Not going to lie. Mm. I think I would go Trevor Hoffman. Um, as far as non-active closers go, of course. Um, as as far as active closers, uh who would be your who would be your go-to, Carson? There's a lot of good ones. Oh man. If I had to pick an active closer. Mm-hmm. Oh man. This is actually really hard. I gotta go with Oh, active closers. If you've got one, go ahead, because I may need to think on this a little bit. Um, Actually, I'll be honest with you. I'd go Josh Hader. Darn you. You stole him from me. He was one of the ones I was thinking of. Ah. I think um, I know. I, Ladies and gentlemen, I think I know where Carson's going, but we'll, we'll see. Do you? Because I don't think you do. <laughs> oh. If I had to pick one closer game for my life, give me Kenley Yancey. Okay, thank you. Because uh, for a minute, I was afraid you were going to go Craig Kimbrell. Uh, no, um, I was not going to go Craig Kimbrell. I thought you were going to go Craig Kimbrell, and I was going to say, if Craig Kimbrell's the guy you picked to save the game for your life, well, you know, rest in peace, my friend. Because um, <laughs> guess what? Spoiler alert. <laughs> He's going to blow it. Like he always does. No, um, was, uh, the two options. Kenley Jansen, playing. yeah, Kenley Jansen is a good pick. That's a solid pick. I was wondering um, either Kenley Jansen or Taylor Rogers. Those were my two. Taylor Rogers, that's a good one too. But, yeah, there are some really good. There are some really, really, really good fucking closers. Um, you know, active still. Uh, a bit surprising that Craig Kimbrell is ahead of Kenley Jansen on the list of all-time saves. Um, I don't know something something about a busted clock or a blind squirrel. I don't know. Um, 
Sorry, I just I've seen in Craig. In other Kimbrell words, your catchphrase when it comes to Craig Kimbrell. I've seen Craig Kimbrell melt down too many times. Um, so I mean, again, I will reference my earlier point that in Game Five of the 2018 World Series, when the game was on, when the game and the series and the championship were on the line, Alex Cora did not go to Craig Kimbrell. He went to Chris Sale. Thank you. Um, just saying. Uh, let's, um, so closers. Oh, uh, let's try to get back on track. Um, Josh Hader, how, again, not discrediting the, you know, the rest of the Brewers team. They're obviously, you know, they've got a a solid squad up there in Milwaukee. Um, but strictly talking about Josh Hader, Carson, how far can Josh Hader, how how far can he take the Brewers? You know, obviously it depends a lot on the the rest of the team's contributions. Uh, a certain uh, former MVP out there in uh, Brew City, <coughs> Christian Yelich. <laughs> um, but, you know, if he keeps continuing like this role he's on, I think the Brewers could go far. It's, it's nice to know that you have this kind of and, you know, Josh Hader has been a pretty reliable closer for, for him most of his career, if mm-hmm. not all of it. So it's mm-hmm. it's always nice to know that you have a reliable closer, twins. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will rant more about that in my final thoughts today. But anyway, um, it's nice to know that you have that reliable closer in your bullpen to especially come postseason time that you don't have to worry about him blowing it. Yeah. And uh, Hader strikes me as the kind of guy who could, um, well, and it's becoming more and more common, obviously, but Hader strikes me as the kind of guy that could, um, you know, closers aren't just for the ninth inning anymore. Um, It's more and more common now to see a closer maybe come out in the eighth. Um, And Hader, I feel like, is a guy who could come into a, a tight game for the Brewers, you know, in the in the eighth, you know, and, and get, you know, four or five, maybe even six outs, which come October, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is a huge weapon to have. Um, but as far as how far can Hater take the Brewers again, it obviously relies heavily on the rest of the team because he's not, you know, it's not just him out there. Um, I mean, the Brewers are a first-place team. They're four games up in the NL Central. They're obviously, you know, right in the thick of things in the in the NL playoff race. And I, I just, I, I feel like the sky could be the limit. Um, Jesus, I never thought I'd say that about the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I think the sky's the limit. Um course you know it's obviously it's still early it's only may but um yeah i just i think the sky's the limit for the brewers and uh i think the uh no never mind i already got in one shot at the bucks i'll behave um (laughs) god damn it i can't help it the bucks could take some lessons from the brewers uh about how to win games okay that's it i'm done okay i'm good i got it out of my system i think 
moving right along, <laughs> uh, the triumphant return of Johnny Cueto. And I just have to say, as a baseball fan, uh, this makes me feel all warm and fuzzy all over to see Johnny Cueto back on, on the pitcher's mound. Um, made his debut a couple of days ago uh, for us on May 16th with the White Sox, um, which I think is just a, well, we'll get to that in a second, but I think that's a perfect fit. Uh, struck out seven, gave up, only gave up two hits, um, and pitched a, you know, helped contribute to a White Sox, a shutout win. Um, Carson, I, I, I mean, I just said it. I think this is a perfect fit. And, uh, I don't know about you, but I think that Johnny Cueto is just what the doctor ordered for a struggling White Sox team. Yeah, obviously, you know, congratulations to Johnny Cueto. Uh, awesome to see him get, get, uh, come up from, from AAA. And it was kind of a thing where if I'm being honest yesterday, I kind of looked at it and I saw it on Twitter that he, he, uh, was on the mound for the White Sox. And I kind of had to think to myself, I didn't know he was on the White Sox. But then I looked and found out, oh, that's because he was in AAA, which is wild and makes me feel all sorts of old because these are guys who I was watching when I was younger and uh, now they're guys down in AAA. But uh, awesome to see Johnny back. Uh, Obviously should provide a huge boost to the White Sox. Has been again, kind of a, like hater, been a pretty reliable starter most of his career. Um, you know, this White Sox team might be one of the better teams that he's been on in his career. Um, obviously, he has had quite the experience with some red teams uh, during his time in, and in, I believe he was in Pittsburgh at, at one point. Um, so, obviously, he's had some, some uh, experiences that were not as fun, but um, yeah, having a reliable starter for, for this struggling White Sox team should be just like you said, just what the doctor ordered for these guys. Yeah. Um, 36-year-old Johnny Cueto, by the way, which I'm going to talk about making me feel old. Um, Jesus, he's my age. Holy shit. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, he kind of Obviously, started his career out with the Reds. Uh, I oh, he got traded um, to the Royals, not the Pirates. He got traded to the Royals. Was oh, I was thinking of Chris Archer. Stupid. Sorry, man. We all make mistakes. Uh, we're human. Um, instrumental, of course, in in the Royals winning the 2015 World Series. Um, bounce to the Giants, and now with the White Sox. Um. Yeah, high, 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 wicked high expectations for the White Sox this year, of course. Um, and they've, you know, they've kind of stumbled out of the gates a bit. Uh, they are currently, well, they're only one game under 500, um, three and a half games behind Carson's Twins atop the AL Central. Um, oh, would you look at that? The team formerly known as the Indians hanging right around there in that AL Central race. Um, but yeah, the White Sox have obviously struggled so far this year. They've had, well, they've had a laundry list of issues. Um, and I think a solid, you know, veteran starting pitcher like Johnny Cueto is an absolute perfect fit for this White Sox team. 
Yeah, he might be 36. You know, he's, shall we say, on the back nine of his career. Um, but God damn, I mean, Johnny Cueto is still Johnny Cueto. Um, you're still going to get you're still going to get good innings out of him. You're still going to get, you know, I mean, I mean, yesterday, I mean, the other day, look, struck out seven and only gave up two hits. Granted, that was against the Royals, but, you know, hey, whatever. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love this move. Um, I'll be honest, too. I, this completely just wasn't on my radar. I had no idea that, um, that Johnny Cueto had landed with the White Sox. Um, I thought I honestly thought he was still a free agent. Uh, and actually, I was looking, uh, doing some research about free agents and came across this story about Johnny Cueto. So, um, Great for the Jade. Great for Johnny Cueto. Great for the White Sox. It's a win-win. Uh, break time. Gonna take our second and final break. When we come back, uh, boy, we just have an absolute banger of a segment for you guys. Um, a very very early look at the trade market. Um, and two of the names on our list. Uh. One holds interest for me, one holds interest for Carson. So we're going to let our bias show a little bit. But um, And one of the names should be on everybody's radar. Uh, you're listening to the 8th Inning Church with AJ and Carson. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the 8th Inning Church with AJ and Carson. For all the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at 8th Inning Pod and visit our website at eighthinningstretch.wixsite.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Eighth Inning Stretch with Adrian Carson. Uh, Jesus, we're already into our third and final segment. Um, I know I say it all the time. I probably sound like a broken record, but God damn, these things just go by way too fast. Um, so. Obviously, we're only in, well, we're in mid-May now. We're bordering on late May, I suppose. So this is probably way, way, way too early. But, you know, we all know that uh, the July 31st trade deadline will be here before we know it. Um, So we've basically put the list, put together a list of a few players here that uh, could possibly maybe potentially be uh trade targets um the first name on the list uh pains me to talk about this but i'm gonna do it um xander bogarts uh shortstop for the red Sox, of course um in case you guys haven't heard you know all kinds of talk going on about uh, why the Red Sox haven't given him a contract extension and, uh, you know, that coupled with the Red Sox, you know, off to a bit of a rough start. Um, but the numbers don't lie. 399 on base percentage, three homers and 15 RBIs. Um, potential fits for Bogarts. Um I see the Cardinals, the Braves, and maybe even the Angels in the mix. Um, Carson, it obviously depends on how things go between now and the trade deadline for the Red Sox, but 
Um, Xander Bogarts maybe on the move. It very, it's very possible. I think. Uh, I think just combined with the early Red Sox struggles and the fact that they haven't really uh, given him a contract extension yet, kind of uh, seems like a bad omen, at least to me. Um, and I'm sure to you and many other Red Sox fans. Um, I mean, uh, here we thought him and Story would be dynamos together. So far, that hasn't really worked. Mm-hmm. Um I guess out of the possible fits that you had talked about, me selfishly, I would love to see him as an angel because can you imagine a team of Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, and Xander Bogarts? Oh my God. Look out the rest of the rest of the AL West. Good God. Um, But yeah, in all honesty, I hope he stays with the Red Sox because this is the kind of guy that, that, the Red Sox should be building around him and uh, Raphael Devers both. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to agree with the, the fact that I want him to stay on the Red Sox, especially, I mean, he's been a, he's a, he's a homegrown, you know, he's a homegrown boy. He's a Red Sox prospect, you know, worked his way up through the, through the system. Um, was a huge, huge part of the 2013 World Series run. Um, but yeah, that said, in a absolute fucking nightmare scenario for me, if Daniel Bargards does get moved, um, yeah, I think I'd have to, yeah, see the, eh, the Cardinals, yeah, maybe, but the Cardinals already have, I mean, they have Nolan Arnato, they have Goldschmidt, eh, and then the Braves, who the hell knows what's going on with them at this point. The Braves will probably most likely be sellers at the trade deadline than buyers. Um, speaking of the speaking of the Cardinals, not to interrupt you here, but we have a little bit of uh, breaking news here from the Cardinals. Um, Tyler O'Neill will be heading to the injured list with a right shoulder impingement, and Ooh. coming up will be top prospect Nolan Gorman as well as pitcher Matthew Librator. Will be oh damn the Cardinals. That is some breaking news. That's uh, I mean, obviously bad news about O'Neill, but um, yeah, the Cardinals have some. The Cardinals have some of the uh, most exciting prospects uh, in all of baseball. So, um, sorry about O'Neill, but congrats at the same time. I suppose Gorman should um, be fun to watch. Yeah, Gorman is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch, for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm 100% on board with the if, if in a nightmare scenario, Bogarts does get moved at the deadline. Uh, hopefully not. But if he does, yeah, I'd, Bogarts, Trout, and Otani and Rendon on the Angels, I would have to say that that would put the angels over the top as the one of the if not the favorite uh in not only in the AOS but in the American League as a whole um second name on the list has so the first one has some interest for me this one has definitely has some interest for Carson especially given the and Carson I apologize uh but twins pitcher Chris Paddock had Tommy John surgery uh today i believe so he's obviously done for the year 
but there's hope because the Oakland A's, who are definitely going to be sellers at the trade deadline, uh, they still have a guy called Frankie Montas. Uh, and Carson, I think, is probably going to agree with me on this, but I would say that the Minnesota Twins are the prime landing spot for Frankie Montas. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been wanting this trade since the offseason. Yes, yes, he I, has. I have been begging and pleading with Derek Falvey and Thad Levine here in Minnesota to uh, get Frankie Montas in here. Chris Archer has been relatively ineffective. Mm. Great, You know, the comeback story is cool, but he hasn't really shown me anything. Chris Paddock, who we just acquired for all-star closer uh, Taylor Rogers, who, uh, by the way, has only allowed one run in uh, 15 appearances in San Diego. Uh, Chris Paddock just went under the knife again for Tommy John. Um, we still don't have Kenta Maeda. We need a pitcher. Go get Frankie Montas. I don't, I just, you missed out on Manaya. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. Then you got Paddock, and well, now we don't have Paddock anymore. So if now, if there is a time to pull the trigger for Frankie Montas, it's now because that A's team is just going to continue to be bad. We have the bats to give him the support that he needs to be an all-star level pitcher. Go get him, please and thank you. <laughs> um, again, Carson is not bitter at all about the Twins missing out on Sean Manaya. Nope. Um, <laughs> not even a little bit. Seriously, though, because they missed out on Manaya, and now obviously with Chris Panic done for the year, and let's be honest, even, even into next season... You know, pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery is a dicey prospect at best. Um, Because I I kind of pegged a couple other potential fits for Montas, but uh, one of them was the White Sox. But I'll just go ahead and cross them off the list now that they have Johnny Cueto. No, no, I don't. The White Sox, they're not going to go after Montas, I don't think, now that they have Johnny Cueto. Um, Even then, just. Stay away. You know, you come into the AL Central. Come to Minnesota. Stay away from the White Sox. <laughs> stay, stay away, Frankie. You don't, you don't want that. Come, come here. We, we got you, my guy. Yeah. Um. Besides, Minnesota is a hell of a nicer place to play than the South Side of Chicago. Gross. Um. And yet, once again, <laughs> I just pissed off the entire South Side of Chicago. Um. For the second time on this show. Um, the other spot I picked was the Tampa Bay Rays, but they're kind of, uh, well, uh, 23 and 15, five games out of first in the AL East. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, we know the Rays, we know that's not going to last. They'll find a way to fuck that up. Um, yeah, I just, I honestly, I really do. I honestly, I just, I really do think that. Minnesota is the perfect fit for Frankie Montas. And like Carson said, uh, let's be honest, the A's aren't going to get any better anytime soon. And because of that, uh, I don't, Carson, I don't think the Twins would have to give up a whole hell of a lot to get Frankie Montas. No, I wouldn't be surprised. I, 
I think it would probably be some sort of deal, I would guess, involving maybe like a Trevor Larnick for us, or um, at the very worst, I think a Luis Arise would have to be discussed. Um, mm. I'm not sure how I would feel if they gave up Luis Arise in a potential Frankie Montas trade. I just love to watch that dude play baseball. He's just so much fun. Like, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never watched a Minnesota Twins game, which I mean, we don't have a lot of primetime games. Thanks, MLB, for continuing to just overshadow the Twins on that, but it's fine. Um, when when Luis Arise sometimes hits a foul ball, he gets very animated and does like a little, almost little shuffle in the batter's box, and it's hilarious, <laughs> and I love him so much. But it, it would probably, I would think, be based around Trevor Larnick and maybe a prospect or two. Uh, to bring Frankie Montas in here would kind of be my initial framework of the deal as it would stand right now. But obviously we're still a little bit away from the trade deadline. We don't know how things are going to shape out. We don't know what the market's going to look like for, uh, and we won't for a while. Yeah. I, I mean, again, yeah, we know this is way too, you know, pretty much way too early to talk about. Um, Cause a hell of a lot can happen. I mean, this is baseball we're talking about. Probably the most unpredictable of all the sports. So a hell of a lot can happen between now and July 31st. Um, and last but not least, the last name on the list. Here's the big one. Juan Soto, the superstar outfielder of the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Nationals of the... <laughs> 13 and 26 record at the time of recording 12 and a half games out of first uh, in the NL, the national league at least um, potential feds for Soto Carson. Uh, everybody basically um, 387 on base percentage, eight homers and 11 RBIs. And keep in mind, everybody, that's on a really crappy Nationals team. Um, is anyone really out of the running for Juan Soto, Carson? Um, the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> fair, fair point. But yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, um, basically, if you're if you're a team looking to contend for a playoff spot, you should be calling the Washington Nationals as we speak. And uh, seeing what they would potentially want for Juan Soto. I mean, talk about a guy who is just such a dynamic player, can hit the ball, is a good fielder, has been a part, was an integral part of that World Series team. Um, yep. I mean, you you look you look at your checklist for what you'd want in a player. You get pretty much everything with with Juan Soto. So, uh, like I like I said, if you're a playoff team you need to be calling the Nationals right now to see if they'd be willing to give up Soto and what the cost would be. Because I guarantee you, you will regret it if you do not at least pick up the phone. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point that you touch on. I mean, this is assuming the Nationals are going to be willing to part with Soto because, like you said, he was an integral part, a huge piece in that World Series run. And... Just as kind of an aside, holy shit, how far have the Washington Nationals fallen from their World Series run? Um, but assuming the Nationals are willing to move Soto, 
I I kind of I'll be honest, I kind of cringe to think what the asking price will be. I mean, they're obviously going to if they are willing to deal Soto, they're going to want a hell of a lot in return and rightfully mm-hmm. so. Um but kind of the other possible, you know, potential sticking point for the Juan Soto trade uh Carson is whoever if somebody does make a deal with the Nationals for Soto, they better damn make sure that they lock that they can sign him to a long-term extension because otherwise what the hell's the point? Exactly. Yep. Like that's, that's the interesting thing too about baseball is that I feel like rental players in baseball aren't necessarily as much of a commodity as they are in other sports. Like I feel like in baseball, when you sign a guy who's on the last year of his deal, it's almost an assumption that you're going to at least try and make an offer to get him a contract extension almost right away. Because in other sports with rental players and things like that, you almost just wait for the season to play out and then see what, what kind of, what an extension might look like. But with baseball, you've already seen basically what these guys can do for however many games. And with there being a 162 game season, you're going to get to continue to see what these kind of guys can do. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, Juan Soto is just such a good player that if you trade for him, you need to be on the phone with his agent being like, hey, let's talk terms here. What what are you looking at? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's so that's so true about uh, baseball. It's just another way that baseball is unique. Um, yeah, because like you said, in in the NHL, the NBA, uh, maybe not so much the NFL, but definitely the NBA and the NHL. You see these trade deadline deals. These guys go to their new team. They play out the rest of the season. Again, granted, the seasons are obviously shorter in those sports. Uh, They play out the rest of the season, and they play the playoffs. And then a lot of times, come the next season or come the offseason, they're on to somewhere else. Um, That doesn't really happen in baseball. So... Um, yeah, and I think even as far as Juan Soto goes, I think even if you're a come July 31st, um, even if you're a team who's, well, obviously if you're in the playoffs as of July 31st, but I think Carson, even if you're a team who's, you know, on the brink of being in that playoff picture, if you're, you know, within striking distance of a playoff spot, I think you, you gotta be on the phone to the nationals. Yep, a hundred percent. If you're looking to contend, if you're right on the cusp of contending, if you are already a contender, those are the three categories of teams that need to be on the phone. I mean, I guess teams like the Reds can, if you really want to, but I wouldn't advise it. Uh, no, definitely not. Because let's be honest, uh, Juan Soto is—I mean, he's a superstar, and this is the kind of player that can. If you're, you know, anywhere in that anywhere in that spectrum of, you know, in the playoffs, uh, you know, firmly in the playoffs, sort of, you know, kind of in the playoffs or on the brink within striking distance of a playoff spot, one Soto is the kind of guy he will he'll put you right over the top. Um, there's just no way around it. So, um. Parting thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are again at the other at the end of another episode, Carson. Um, 
I, I have a bit. Well, one one thing we didn't get to that I meant to. Uh, apologies, Mets fans. Boy, um, I'll just say it. This just really friggin' sucks. The Mets are having a hell of a season. Um, optimism and excitement, I know, is running, you know, wicked high with for Mets fans and with good reason. And now, Carson, Max Scherzer, out for two months. Man, oh man. Uh, it's just, it pains me as a baseball fan because not having Max Scherzer just sucks for baseball because he's just so talented but poor Mets fans poor poor Mets fans I mean he's he's been a pretty big piece of that obviously he's Max Scherzer he's been a pretty big piece of that rotation all year long and uh, you know it's just oh, poor Mets fans he was doing pretty well too or he has been doing pretty well with uh, listen to me talking like he's out for the year um <laughs> Uh, you know, he's had a 254 ERA, gone about 49 and two-thirds innings. You know, he's been the Max Scherzer, the Max Scherzer of old, the Max Scherzer that we're kind of used to, we've been used to seeing for years upon years upon years. So, um, but unfortunately, you know, uh, at 37, it looks like father time is slowly starting to catch up to him, which absolutely sucks. Yeah, and I mean, especially, oh man, this is just such a bummer. Um, especially coupled with uh, the fact that there's still no timetable for a return for Jacob Degrom. Um, and and Carson, I think we, in fact, I know we did. I know we talked about this uh, probably more than once in past episodes that we said, okay, well. It sucks that DeGrom's out, but as long as the Mets still have Scherzer, they're still in good shape, and now they don't have either. Um, yeah, this is just, this really sucks. Um, and I'm, I, feel, I feel terrible for all the Mets fans. Um, and we're not, I mean, let's be clear, it's only May. Yes, it sucks that DeGrom's out. Yes, it sucks that Scherzer looks like he's going to be out for a couple months. But y'all got a seven-game lead atop the end at least. And let's be honest, none of the other teams in that division are even, you know, all the other teams in that division are pretty mediocre right now. So you got that going for you. Um, Carson, is it? Is it still is it is it too early to, you know, sort of sound the death knell for the Mets? Oh, it's way too early. I mean, they've they've got a monstrous they're the only team in that division that's above five hundred. I mm-hmm. mean, things things are probably gonna be hairy for a little while with with without, you know, your two big aces, but there's in no way am I ready to to start planning the Mets funeral, at least at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so bad news for Mets fans. Uh, bad news for Dodgers fans. Coach uh, Clayton Kershaw, he's on the 15-day IL. But Carson, more bad news for Dodgers fans. Uh, Kershaw is still experiencing back soreness. Uh, how bad is this news for the Dodgers and their fans? 
Yeah, this is not. This is a little bit more of a different situation. This is not good for the Dodgers. Um, oh, really? You know, uh, n- no, it's it's not. I know the hot take right there, but um, you know, obviously, um, you all know my feelings about the Dodgers. I think that they are the best constructed team right now in baseball. Um, <sighs> with uh, with Craig Kimbrell closing games out. Um, <clears throat> Just had to throw that little shot in there. Um, but but obviously, this is a big deal for the Dodgers. I mean, obviously, you still have Walker Bueller, but one of the weaknesses that we had talked about with the Dodgers themselves were their pitching already. Um, mm-hmm. And to lose, to lose kind of your certified ace, Clayton Kershaw, in, again, a division that is still very, very close at this point with three teams still very much in contention and the other two only seven and eight games away those two mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rockies and Diamondbacks respectively. Um, you know, this, this could be, this could uh, be a little bit of a nail biter for, for Dodgers fans. Cause the, the giants are only one and a half games back or excuse me, the Padres are only one and a half games back and the giants are three games back uh, for that division lead. So things could get a little bit dicey here for, for the Dodgers. Yeah, I I would go so far as to say, hot take warning. Um, well, sort of. The news about Kershaw coupled with the return of Blake Snell to the Padres rotation and the fact that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. will be back well, basically next month. So in another, you know, probably like two, three weeks here. And we still, we don't know how bad this thing is going to be for Kershaw. I mean, 34 years old, back soreness. This could turn from a 15-day DL stint. Sorry, IL slip. Um, I remember when it was called the the DL. Uh, IL is better, by the way. Um, this could turn from a 15-day stand on the IL to much longer. Um, Carson, I think this just shakes the hell out of that NL West and gives the Padres a bit of a leg up. Yeah, it uh, certainly certainly makes things look good for your uh, pick to be the for your uh, NL champion pick, um, but. Yeah, there there could be a little bit of a shift in the in the division if the Dodgers aren't careful for this next little stretch here. Yeah, I mean this just makes that NL West. I mean the NL West has already been the most fun to watch uh, so far this year, and so I think this just makes it even more interesting. Um, okay, now we're really gonna get into our parting thoughts. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I completely blanked about the Max Scherzer thing. Uh, I saw it just before we started recording and obviously had to talk about it. And then of course, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Carson parting thoughts. Oh, okay. I'll get into the must watch games first, but then I got to do a little ranting. Um, Padres and giants should be a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, and you guys know me. I'd love to give you uh if you like to watch some tanking teams, um, <laughs> this uh, this weekend's series is going to be the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. Ugh. Is going to be my pick for uh, for the tanking series. So 
uh, go watch that if you're into that kind of thing. Um, and then the Dodgers and the Phillies, I think, should be kind of a fun series as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But all right. Eighth inning stretch nation. AJ, my early apologies on this, but I need to do a little twins ranting today. Go for it. I'm going to rant on two issues, one of which will probably take up more time than the other. Number one, first and foremost, before I get into this, Chris Paddock, sincerely mm. wish nothing but the best in your recovery from Tommy John. Looking forward to seeing you hopefully sometime in 2023. But this comes as no ill will to Chris Paddock and him getting Tommy John. Obviously, you don't want to see anybody. I don't want to see anybody get injured, no matter what team they play for. So wishing nothing but the best for his recovery. However, this trade looks very bad today. Mm. Um, As I had mentioned earlier in the show, Taylor Rogers for the Padres has allowed one run in 15 appearances. One. His ERA is at point like 0.064, I believe, when I checked it. One run in 15 appearances. Now, I understand that the Twins probably wouldn't have been able to pay him beyond this year, and he'll probably leave the Padres and go somewhere else and get more money, blah, blah, blah. But we got five starts out of Chris Paddock this year, and we won't get him again probably till at least mid-2023, if not 2024. This is his second time around going with Tommy John. And this was one of the risks that we knew when we traded for Chris Paddock. But we still went ahead and did it. It's just so frustrating because I wanted to see him do well. But if anybody wants to talk about team control and all that jazz, to to paraphrase uh, Stephen A. Smith, I need you all to I need all those people to shut up for the immediate future. When when he goes down with an injury and takes away most of this year now and most of 2023, potentially all of 2023 and going into 2024, team control does not matter anymore because you are losing most of that team control. Now, could Taylor Rogers obviously leave San Diego and maybe this trade looks better because San Diego won't be able to re-sign him? Sure. But as of this moment right now, this trade looks horrible. Also, shout out to Emilio Pagan and Brent Rucker, the other two people involved in this deal. No ill will towards either of y'all. Look at me saying y'all like I'm a southerner. But anyway, that's issue number that's issue number one kind of covered. Number two starts with some good news. Carlos Correa is back. Hooray. That's good. But why in the name of God are you sending Royce Lewis back down? Royce Lewis, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not follow the Twins, which honestly I wouldn't blame you if you're outside of Minnesota, because how else are you going to follow them? Because we don't get on national TV, even though we have Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton. But that's that's a rant for another day. Royce Lewis, ladies and gentlemen, you guys know I love the on-base percentage stat. Royce Lewis in his in 11 games in the majors, his first 11 games in the majors. Let's let's not forget also this man was the number 1 overall pick in the 2017 draft. 325 on base percentage with a 554 slugging and a 308 batting average. Carlos Correa comes up and you decide to send him down. 
And you can make all the excuses you want Rocco Belvelli of, yeah, we want him to get everyday playing time down in St. Paul. And we want him to play different positions. He couldn't have done that in the majors. He couldn't have done that for the Minnesota Twins when he's been on an absolute tear in 11 games. And we've got slumping rookies like poor Jose Miranda who have been struggling at the major league level, even though he's the second cousin of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Fun fact. Like, you don't send him down, but you send the guy that we have been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for through a couple of injuries, through COVID. You send him down, the top prospect in the organization. You send him back down. You couldn't have kept him up here. What is that going to do for this guy's confidence? Oh, you've been on terror, Royce, but we're going to send you back down to St. Paul. What? How does that make any sense? And again, I get you want him to play every day down in St. Paul and potentially play in different positions. You can do that here. It's not like we have guys who who aren't. You want to trade out Byron Buxton every other day. Put Lewis in center field. See if he sticks. Worst comes to worst. Put him at third base for Miranda. It's not that hard. I just. Uh. All right, I'm done. Uh. Ladies and gentlemen, if you couldn't tell, Carson is uh, frustrated with his Minnesota Twins. Um, and they're winning. That's the worst part. I shouldn't be frustrated <laughs> with them. They are winning. <laughs> they are winning, and yet they still frustrate me. Yeah. People are going to listen to that and go, Jesus. Um, I think we totally understandable, time, but... though, uh, because as you all know, as fans, uh, sometimes our teams. Uh, just make some really boneheaded decisions. And I am 100% uh, with Carson on this, this Royce Lewis move. Um, just stupid, just a really stupid move on the part of the twins. Um, I think we found this episode's promotional clip. Yeah, right. <laughs> also, um, we're at it. Red Sox call up Tristan Casas. Why don't you? Yes. Thank you. Uh, speaking of boneheaded moves, yeah, the Red Sox and Tristan Casas, um, who, if any, you know, obviously non-Red Sox fans out there, if you're not, if you haven't seen this kid play, do yourself a favor, pause the podcast, click on over to YouTube, and pull up Tristan Casas' highlights, uh, because believe me, there's no shortage of them, um, Dude is absolutely tearing it up in AAA. Uh, and for some reason, the uh, 15 and 22 fourth place Red Sox won't make the call to call him up. Um, that being said, uh, I'm also going the really, I'll be honest with you guys, I looked at the schedule for this weekend and I kind of went, eh. Um, the only game that really jumped out to me, the only series that really jumped out to me was obviously this Padres Dodgers, uh, sorry, Padres Giants series, uh, in San Francisco. Um, if you haven't looked at the NL West standings lately, let me help you out. Uh, the Padres are in second place, 24 and 14 at the time of recording. They're only a game and a half behind the first place Dodgers. Uh, the Giants 22 and 15. Uh, three games out of first place. So they're only, the Giants are only a game and a half behind the Padres. Um, 
And that's not all, because if you look at the wild card standings, this is where things get really interesting. Uh, the Padres are in, currently in the first wild card spot in the National League. Uh, they're four games up uh, for that top spot. And obviously, they're only a game and a half up on the Giants who are, you know, nipping at their heels. I don't know how else to hype up the series, but this is fucking huge. Um, this is. I know we keep saying it's only May, it's only May, it's only May. Well, guess what? Look at the calendar. We're we're in the lack. We're in the back half of May already, which means June is just around the corner. And when the calendar, as far as I'm concerned, when the calendar turns to June, as far as in baseball, that's when all the, oh, it's only April, oh, it's only May, oh, it's still early. That's when all that shit goes out the window. Because once you get into June, June quickly turns into July, and July quickly turns into August, and then we're really in the thick of it. So I'm just going to say it. This, this Padres Giant series is enormous this is huge this has massive implications not only for the nl west race obviously not only for the nl wildcard race but this has huge implications for the nl playoff race as a whole um and i am i am resisting the urge of going to fucking san francisco right the fuck now to watch this thing because this is going to be epic um this is must-see TV. If you are a fan, if you are a fan of baseball, which if you're not, what the hell are you doing listening to this? Um, we appreciate you, though. We, yes, we do. We do appreciate you. But if you are, if, if you call yourself a baseball fan, uh, prove it and watch this Padres Dodgers. Pa- Why the hell do I keep saying Dodgers? Padres Giants. Sorry, San Francisco fans. Um, well, mostly sorry. I'm still pissed at y'all for supporting Barry Bonds for all those years. Uh, but that's another rant for another time. Um, seriously, find a way to watch this thing. Um, oh, uh, important fun discovery that i made uh if you are a t-mobile or a metro by t-mobile subscriber uh you can redeem a the entire 2022 season of mlb tv for free um so that punches a hole in your excuse of not being able to watch this series unless of course you're in the san diego or san francisco markets and then it's blacked out on mlb.tv but I'm pretty sure a series of this magnitude is going to be on national TV, or at least one of the games will be. Um, so just, yeah, don't miss it. Padres Giants, thank you, um, this weekend. Uh, and the only other the only other thing I really wanted to get to um, in my parting thoughts this, this time out, a huge, colossal, ginormous shout-out to Nick Pavetta of the Red Sox. I don't care. I'm letting my bias shine through again. I know I've Carson and I have done it a, a lot this episode, but I don't neither one of us gives a shit. Um huge shout out to Nick Pavetta of the Boston Red Sox. 
for tossing the first complete game for the Red Sox since Chris Sale did it in 2019. Two years. Two years the Red Sox went without a complete game. Um, and I think it's been even longer since somebody did it at Fenway. Uh, nasty Nick Bavetta only gave up two hits to the red-hot Houston Astros. Uh, who the who my Red Sox beat five to one in this game, by the way, and won the series. Hell yeah! Um, it's no secret that the Red Sox have been well. They've been off to a rough start. They're only fifteen and twenty-two so far. They're a long ways out of first place in the AL East. They're barely holding off the Orioles for last place. Um, and I just, I haven't, uh, well, I haven't exactly been shy about my frustration with them. Um, and so, but I was cheered this, this Nick Pavetta, this complete game. I, I just, I just fucking love it because I feel like this is, um, this is, this is a game and this is an effort that could really, you know, that could finally maybe be a turning point for these guys. Um, and a quick glance at the wild card standing shows that they're only four and a half games out of the third wild card spot in the American League. So there's still hope, Red Sox Nation. There's still hope. Don't give up yet. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, these complete games, uh, I mean, obviously they used to be pretty commonplace. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty common to see a pitcher, you know, go nine innings. It, it obviously, it doesn't happen as much anymore because the game has changed and the thinking around uh, starting pitching has changed. Now guys go, you know, five, six innings, maybe, and then that's it. Um, so for Pavetta to go out there against a red hot first place Astros team and just absolutely deal uh, is huge. It's big for baseball. It's big for my Red Sox. Um, and I'm pretty damn happy about it. Uh, uh, so fingers and toes crossed that this is, you know, they can turn this into a spark. Um, they can turn a spark like this into a full-on flame and, you know, get the hell back on track where they should be. Um and that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, unfortunately, sadly, brings us to the end of another episode of the Eighth Inning Stretch. Um, don't forget to check us out online. Check out our website, eighthinningstretch.wixsite.com. You can listen to the latest episode there right in your browser. Uh, you can check out Carson and I's uh, awesome bio pages and learn a little more about us. Uh, if you're on Twitter, don't forget to go over there and give us a follow at eighth inning pod. That's where we post our latest updates about upcoming episodes, um, poll questions and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And last but not least, don't forget to check out our awesome, awesome sponsors at printer dudes. Um, you can find them at printer Uh, dudes is spelled D double O D S. And they just have a, they have a just a wicked cool collection and wide wide range of three D printed uh, collectibles and stuff, all kinds of cool stuff uh, on offer on their Etsy. 
Um, and as a thank you for being a fan of the show, you can use promo code home run. That's one word home run and save 10% off your order. Carson, did I forget anything? I think you got it all. Well done. You might say I covered all the bases. Oh, jeez. Sorry, couldn't help myself. All right, I'll I'll give you I'll I'll give you a pass. Well done. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we wish you all a uh, a good rest of the week, an awesome weekend. Um, of course, this episode will drop on on Friday, this coming Friday for us and. Who knows? Maybe you're listening to this in the far future um, on your space station. One can only hope. Uh, that's it, everybody. Uh, Carson, say goodbye to the lovely folks. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Love you. Peace out. Uh, yes. Goodbye, everybody. Sorry for anything we messed up. We'll try to do better next time. This has been the eighth inning stretch. And uh, goodbye, everybody. You've been listening to the 8th Inning Stretch with AJ and Carson. Thanks for tuning in. For all the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at 8th Inning Pod and visit our website at 8thinningstretch.wixsite.com slash podcast.